Philanthropy Is. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Philanthropy Is, the show where we highlight good people doing great things. I'm your host, Tiffany Rochelle. And this is Lena Anderson. And unfortunately, our other co-host, Marissa Hall, is feeling under the weather, so she's not joining us this week, but hopefully she'll be back next week. In the meantime, we hope that everyone has had a great holiday and actually got a chance to participate in Giving Tuesday. If you did not get to participate in Giving Tuesday, which was last week, a day for all charities to receive funding, don't worry, it was just the start of giving season. And so the whole month of December, there are charities, there are nonprofits, there are causes and organizations that would really love to receive the benefits of your donations to grow and sustain your organization. So even though Marissa's not here with us today, she actually had the honor to interview a fabulous organization that is in Oakland, California, called the East Oakland Collective. And so they are, of course, the epitome of giving. Just to let you know a little bit about them, the East Oakland Collective is a member-based community organizing group that's invested in serving the communities of deep East Oakland by working toward racial and economic equity. With programming in civic engagement and leadership, economic empowerment, and homeless services and solutions, they help amplify the underserved communities from the ground up. They are committed to driving impact in landscape, politics, and economic climate of these deep East Oakland. The great thing, if you've tuned in with us before, you know that we talk about how millennials are changing the face of giving, how they're changing the face of philanthropy. And this is actually a prime example because this East Oakland Collective is a membership cohort cohort of millennials plus that are invested in their neighborhood. They're community members, they're homeowners, they're residents of the East Oakland and Greater Oakland area, and they're invested in working toward a future for underserved populations in East Oakland. And so this is the type of movement that we believe in. This is the type of movement that we understand is going to be necessary to create the kind of true change and future impact in the communities around us. And it will require the strength of the millennials, I believe. Lena, yes. how do you feel about that? I, I believe it will take the strength of the millennials to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe that the millennials being, again, it, all, it, also, it always comes back to what you end up witnessing the generations before you dealing with and then taking a stance and saying okay I don't want to go through this and then I also don't want to have to clean up everything but since we since we end up having to do that we we recycle sometimes the problems and issues we want to make sure that you know we're doing it so that way it doesn't always have to be such a big mess that there might be a smaller portion to clean up now and I think that what the East um, Collective East Oakland Collective um, group are doing is amazing amazing work so I can't wait to, for the audience to hear. Well, yeah, that is, it's, it's really exciting to, as we move forward, to see how the millennials are not just tackling one aspect. Right. You know, before there might have been an organization that only dealt with cleanup or who might have dealt with feeding the homeless or the hungry. Right. But 
it seems like the understanding is that there needs to be a multi-pronged approach, which is what I see um, is happening with with the East Oakland Collective, known as the EOC. Yeah, they're they're working on economic empowerment. They're working with um, with um, homeless solutions and services. Mm-hmm. They're doing civic engagement and leadership. So they're they're getting people motivated and moved in the government into voting, into doing different things within their own demographic that will change the the their environment, that will change their communities. So. I hope that those listening will take a take note and take a page from the East Oakland Collective about what collaboration can do. And they actually have a quote that I really like. And so I want to read it. And it, it, it says that in order to have influence, pull a chair to the table and be involved in the change you want to see. So with that, we would love to invite you to listen in to the interview of East Oakland Collective and take notes and see how you can affect your community as well. Hi, thank you for joining us with Philanthropy Is. This is Marissa and I am in Oakland with Candace Elder and Nick Houston. The East Oakland Collectives is the founder. Um, Candace Elder is the founder. And Nick Houston um, is a community engagement officer for the Oakland, the East Oakland Collective. So I am here with them in Oakland. So we would like to speak to them and learn more about their organization. So I'm gonna first hand it over to Candace. She is the founder of the East Oakland Collective. So I just want her to talk about how she got inspired to really create this nonprofit organization. Greetings, greetings, uh, everyone. So yes, I founded the East Oakland Collective in January of 2016. Um, I'm an East Oakland native, uh, born and raised. And um, after seeing really the lack of resources, um, the disinvestment in my community, um, remembering how East Oakland was from my childhood and it was actually way more thriving than it is now and just how it has changed um, significantly and it's kind of been stagnant you know, um, underserved communities, you know, lack of businesses, lack of resources, and being frustrated on having to go outside uh, my community, go outside my neighborhoods to spend my dollars because there's nothing really here for us, um, really frustrated me. So I, you know, I figured if I'm feeling like this, how many of my neighbors, my fellow community members are feeling the same and how that they're so I started to analyze what were the gaps, you know, what was missing in my community um, and narrowed it down to, you know, representation in local politics, you know, who was really re- representing us. Um, there was not a lot, a lot of uh, advocacy um, and uh, for us, by us, um, people who, you know, really represented us in, you know, city council um, and things like that, you know, these boards and commissions that we should have a seat at the table for. Um, And then really wanting to galvanize, you know, millennials. Um, I am a millennial on on the cusp of it. Um, And even though East Oakland Collective consists of members of all ages, but really using that, the power of millennials, our creative ideas, our new ideas, and really harnessing the need for new and fresh leadership um, in East Oakland, so I literally rolled over and started East Oakland Collective. It started at first as an online community, 
but within about six seven months it grew to for us to have you know general body meetings we were having listening sessions we were partnering um with um existing east oakland organizations and we just kind of just blew up from there hmm so because i know you're very active in the community um and so how did it come about you meeting nick um nick and i met through mutual friends you know and we we, we connected um and I was really inspired by, you know, Nick's drive for the community, you know, his personality, just really being all around, you know, awesome person. Um, so we connected as friends and then I started East Oakland Collective and it was really pressuring him <laughs> to expand his work um, with our unhoused population in, in Oakland was kind of what, you know, kind of like I think brought him like into EOC and um, we just took off from there so it's, it's really there's not often that you meet people that you can be friends with and also be business partners you know with so like Nick was one of the first you know EOC members um, and he had his own nonprofit which he will get into but he consolidated you know, with EOC, so it's kind of like this whole thing of like, you know, there's the Bay Area is full of nonprofits, you know. Right. Um, so instead of a whole bunch of people doing a whole bunch of things, like let's not why why not get together and actually partner and actually have larger impact, you know. So it's really good. I'm I'm thankful for Nick and for having kind of like this male balance on the executive team, you know. Like so when I'm feeling like I'm going crazy or something. He's like, just calm down or it's not that serious. <laughs> so it's really, really good to have, you know, um, that balance on EOC's executive team um, and to have someone such, you know, extremely hard worker. Nice. Okay, so Nick, I'm going to ask you the question because mm -hmm. I, I really do believe like what Candace was saying about collaboration, because in collaboration there is power, right. um, and it's community. Right. So I just wanted to ask you. So what? Who was Nick Houston before this? Like what? You you started feed the hood. So what was going on before you met Candace and before the collaboration took place? So uh, actually, uh, feed the hood on the scale I was doing it was literally just me by myself, uh, and how that came about was literally just seeing what the need was um it wasn't very difficult to walk outside and see unsheltered it wasn't very difficult to uh see how i could make my own small impact in those areas uh so for me i literally uh when i stopped going to church uh, i started thinking like what should i do with this tithing money like uh, and i and even when i was going to church i had this thought like why is there a middleman between people with the resources and people that need them? Uh, why am I giving money somewhere else when I could literally take that money to give or buy the resources to give to the people that need them? So I literally was just sitting down thinking, like, what what should I do? And I kid you not, as loud as it could be, said, feed the people. So I literally took that money every other Sunday. I used to bag up about two, three hundred lunches. And drive the main corridors throughout Oakland, East 14th, San Pablo, MacArthur, and just pass out lunches. Uh, that that 
got me into other types of advocacy and, and uh, community work. I uh, did some work with uh, young women that were sex trafficked. Uh, some of the work, some of the dirty work that a lot of people don't, uh, the stuff that's not glamorous. Uh, I used to literally pull up on these young women and ask them, hey, you want to lunch? Because I used to go out about five o'clock in the morning. Uh, and once you see them enough, you start to build some type of rapport with them. And then that's where that whole trying to develop exit strategies for them and that kind of stuff came about. But long story short, uh, Feet Hill was literally just me. And uh, at the beginning of Candace and Candace's and I, our friendship, she was like, well, why don't you let people help you out? <laughs> First, I was like, nah. And if anybody knows me, know that I'm literally, I'm like, let me yo, let me just do this because I could get it done fast. Let me just do it. She was like, no, I stayed to, on him. <laughs> she was like, you need to let people help you, like have people join you. And after a while, I was like, you know what? That makes sense. So you're saying that you didn't have a team of people that no. would drive with you, get in the car with you, help pass out anything. It was no. just you. Yeah. I used to randomly take some of my friends because they just didn't know what I was doing or I would take like a mentee or something like that just to get them to see what that looked like. Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody ever was like, yo, you need to just have other people help you. She was literally the only person that was like, you need to have people join you with this. And uh, after like fighting, I was like, okay, let's do it. Uh, so we had our first official Feed the Hood. It was a group of about 30 of our friends. And we literally started the first Feed the Hood that way. Just friends going out and feeding the community. So, which was pretty cool. So when you say... Um when you started the first Feed the Hood. So mm -hmm. did everyone gather in, like at a church or something, or did you just drive up and down certain streets, passing it out? Like, what did that look like? So we actually gathered at Burkhalter Park, right off of 580. Okay. Uh, I believe, my, my whole thought was with this, and at the start of this, we would all gather in community spaces. Uh, stuff that doesn't, it's not restrictive, so I never thought of doing it out of a church or anything with a specific religious agenda. It was going to be either parks or schools, something that are really community spaces that are inclusive. So we did the first one at Burkhalter Park. And uh, I didn't really have a plan, but I did have people in specific cars that knew the city. It was just like, yo, go to this part of the city and wherever you see people, just, you know, give them a lunch. Uh, so shout out to those people to, at that time because I really didn't have a plan, but it developed into a plan. Uh, I can honestly say I probably wouldn't have developed it into a plan if it were not for Candace. Because I'm so renegade and guerrilla style, that kind of stuff. I just literally just hop out and, and do it. But she almost brought the, the, the need and the, I won't say direction, but almost like the organization to getting some structure to it. So now it's all structured out. Here we are, eight deep. Wow. So. so now that you partnered with Candace, mm -hmm. so now I just want to make clear and ex for Candace to explain. So now is Feed the Hood part of the East Oakland Collectives? Yes. Okay. Um, so Feed the Hood started off as, I think, under Nick's vision as an annual thing. But after we had, we partnered um, with Feed the Hood, I think was two Two. Yeah, we, we partnered with, with Feed the Hood too, um, 
not under EOC, but kind of like in collaboration with EOC. Um, I think we decided to make it a more regular thing to not have it be annual, but you know, at least try to do it a few times a year. So we did, so we did Feed the Hood two as a partnership in this summer. We did Feed the Hood three in September twenty seventeen, um, officially under East Oakland Collective. So by that time, you know, like Nick had um, joined the executive team um, and became the community engagement officer. Um, and Feed the Hood 3 went viral. So we went from having 30 people to 500 people show up. Um, Scared the shit out of us. Yes. <laughs> yes. When we caught wind that it was going viral, we had to, you know, change a lot of our plans, you know, order more tables, chairs, like get a U-Haul. We had to do, you know, get more food, you know, so it... It definitely, it was a crazy, but one awesome experience. And then the community actually requested that we have Feed the Hood more often, you know. So we knew better. We we figured we we couldn't have it once a month, but uh, we can have it bi-monthly because it is such a huge endeavor. People don't realize the amount of money it takes, you know, um, we we it's over ten thousand dollars for each one we're constantly in fundraising mode as soon as one feed the hood finishes we have to fundraise for the next one and we're fundraising up until that the day of you know the actual event um it has grown so that we have a planning team of like seven um people well between seven to ten people at various times um you know Nick directs Feed the Hood. We have a co-director who's awesome, um, Sarah Taylor. And we have a volunteer coordinator. So we had, like, lead volunteer positions. So it has definitely grown. And it, it, it pretty much operates like clockwork. Um, yeah. But Feed the Hood, I don't know. It wouldn't be what it is now if it wasn't for the community. For, like, first the community requested that we do this more often. Because most people have never experienced anything like feed the hood and they had never gone out to encampment they had never seen a volunteer project as large as feed the hood and as organized you know as feed the hood um and and then also it's entirely funded by the community and local businesses in oakland okay yeah that's what i wanted to go back and talk about because you said you had to um, do fundraisers up until the day of the events. When you said fundraisers, what is what does that mean? What what does that look like? Do you um, call people to find out if they want to do donations? Do you have companies help sponsor or wanting to partner with you? Like, what does when you say raising fundraisers? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> All of that. <laughs> okay. Plus some. Okay. Uh, calls, uh, reaching out to the community. Uh, active uh advertising and marketing for uh donations uh i'm old school in the sense that i like to walk into establishments and meet people and talk to them and try to develop that type of relationship and uh get donations that way um but it's all of those things you named and more okay and it never stops and what's really awesome about feed the hood is its spirit and its own word of mouth so a lot of people approach us you know a lot of um from corporations to schools um to individuals and they freely donate you know um each and every single time um 
And then the rest is like Nick d- described is us, you know, having a good marketing communications campaign. Um, if we need to doing like special fundraising campaigns, Nick is good at like thinking of those, you know, and I know I'm like, I'll just make the flyer for it <laughs> or something. Um, you know, we have recurring donors who donate like every single month now. Um, and like I said, it's, I'm just amazed about the, the people, the businesses and the individuals who find us and said, how can my corporation, how can my company be a part of, you know, Feed the Hood? You know, we have talked to everybody from, from Nike um, to Imperfect Produce is awesome. Um, a company, I think just local to the Bay Area who takes, you know, the ugly produce uh-huh. stuff that is still good, but it may not look nice. So, you know, they have been a supporter of Feed the Hood for... Um, a while now and we get fresh um fruits you know um donated from them um to you know high schools making hygiene kits or middle schools even actually elementary school so like all the way from elementary to high school and even college you know we had a whole like dorm blocks like participate in and do hygiene kit drives within their orgs or institutions and then bring it uh lift actually just um, the last Feed the Hood, Feed the Hood 7, they did a huge um, donation drive, you know, within their company and then made the hygiene kits and delivered them um, the morning of Feed the Hood 7. So we have upcoming for Feed the Hood 8, we're going to do something with um, Build On um, their youth program and yeah. actually Salesforce executives on December 5th. So we're going to make hygiene kits, you know, for Feed the Hood 8 on December 9th. So, so let's talk about um, the youth, because I know you, um, on the website, it does mention about the millennials. You guys are the next generation. Mm-hmm. So could you expand more on what does that look like for this new generation is and what's your plan for the youth? Um, well, there's, I guess there's two subsets of, of, of young folks. You know, there's the millennials, you know, um, which is kind of like the core base, you know, of um, East Oakland collective members. Um, and then, like I said, we have people of, of all ages who are our members and who are supporters um, and volunteers with, with ELC. But my vision for having it be like Millennials Plus is we are the next generation of leaders, you know, um, we should be, you know, um, doing this work and in Oakland, um, particularly in East Oakland, um, you know, we're grooming and building the leadership of our members to, you know, fill in these, these gaps, you know, to run for office, you know, hopefully, um, to be on Oakland's County of Alameda boards and commissions. We have successfully, you know, um, push people through so that we can have a younger, fresh um, vision for Oakland um, because we desperately need new leadership. You know, as we see with a lot of these longstanding nonprofits and institutions and organizations have been the same leader for like 30 years, you know, um, and people are not really uh, grooming, you know, the the next generation. So oftentimes, sometimes we lose that key knowledge that our elders, you know, um, have in the community because they're holding on to these seats. And we're just like, it's time to give up the seat. Not in a bad way, but just to, like, make room. But in a real way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, in a very real way. But yeah. let it go, you know, because stuff is stagnant. You know, it's like 
we're not necessarily seeing the the rate of progress that we need to thrive and survive. So here comes DLC. That's what how we figured, and we've been really embraced by our elders. You yeah. know, um, they've taken us under their wing, um, almost you know, turned into mentor sponsors. Um, and they're so happy to see us, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that's the niche that we created, this new leadership in East Oakland. And I think that's huge, like the new leadership, because with this next generation, we do have to pass the baton. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like the older generation, like you said, is mm-hmm. holding on to the seats and they're not trying to pass the baton. They still want to do mm-hmm. what they've got to do, and they have traditional ways. Yeah. So it's, I mean, our generation is changing. Yeah. So everyone is participating differently, people are getting involved, their interest is different. Yeah. So how are you grabbing the new millennials, diff- um, mm-hmm. you know, how are you grabbing their interest? Because it's it's new. Mm-hmm. So we had our podcast um, maybe a couple of weeks ago talking about the new generation and how, they're, how they view philanthropy mm-hmm. and what engages them into philanthropy. So what are you doing to engage the new generation to be a part of this work and to step up as leaders and to get more involved? Um, that's really why we created a, a membership-based organization. So really, and we, we tell people we're about action. We're not about talk. So like if you just want to sit here and, <laughs> you know, talk, everyone to death about issues and you know like what about being you know solution oriented and actually getting out there into the street into the community you know because we feel like that is really is what's missing you know so we appeal to millennials because you know i'm a millennial you know um so i'm like how i think you know um we are very like social media heavy as well and that definitely appeals to uh, millennials they like to be able to see what you're doing and kind of like get to know you a little bit before they actually show up in person um so but like they see our work you know we're very especially me i'm very vocal about it you know probably talk too much about eoc and the stuff that we do um so they're able to see it and then they get to meet us. And then like, we're really like in the trenches on the ground. Like we don't operate like, you know, along some of the older like nonprofits, you know, we're very much like in the trenches um, in the street from, you know, how we do community engagement to even our work, you know, with the unhoused. Like there's really only a few organizations in Oakland who are like really in the encampments on, have a, a we're a cell phone basis with, you know, um, our own house brothers and sisters, you know, who um, are living out there um, where, you know, they call us, you know, people are surprised that we give folks hugs, you know. <laughs> so, which, is, which is really strange. Yeah, strange. <laughs> you know, um, and like we might be on the corner. We're like, we're, we're, we, and we have engaged in some direct actions. So like we're, we're doing stuff that I think people are like appeals to the millennial um, age group. And then like Nick even goes further and works with like the younger kids. Like I leave that all to him, you know, (laughs) like going into the elementary schools, you know, and talking with youth about, were their ideas on how to help our unhoused brothers and sisters. So Nick has done like panels and participated in like school projects. He has taken, you know, youth out on their own little mini feet of hoods. Oh wow. You know, <laughs> so. And what uh, feedback are you getting from the kids? They love it. Uh, one thing that 
I don't think the older generation realizes is that <clears throat> young people look at life through a different lens. So the way they want to solve things may be a lot different than what I or even someone older than me would want to do. So for like doing these trainings for these young folks and you ask them like, how would you impact homelessness? One of the first thing they think about is people that they go to school with mm -hmm. because that's their environment. If you generally look at uh, the work of older organizations around homelessness, that's not really a focus. And that's just one example of how they think. Uh, one of the uh, trainings I did with the youth group, they wanted to take out board games. Like, we really don't think like that. They were saying we, we need to give them something to occupy their time, occupy their minds until they can get into a better space. So. It's a creative way of thinking, and on a psychological level, it makes sense because, you know, you hear little sayings about idle time and stuff like that, but when people are busy, when they can work, creativity comes out of that, ways to think yourself out of your situation comes out of that. So it makes sense psychologically, and these are the way our young folks are thinking. Uh, so I like to honestly ask young people their opinions. I like to ask them what they would do. And some of that stuff I actually implement. Like it's just because they're young doesn't mean that they don't know what they're doing. It's quite the opposite. They know exactly what they're talking about. So, can you um, share with us like maybe one thing that you mm -hmm. implemented mm -hmm. with um, maybe what maybe a child said or someone in youth? Long time ago, before I even really got deep into this work, uh, I had a young person tell me, uh, "Why don't people treat homeless people like they're human?" Why don't they say hi? And as people will tell you, I always tell people to acknowledge people that are unsheltered, to acknowledge people that are unfortunate or people that don't have resources because they don't look like you. That doesn't mean that they're not human. And then that hi or that do you need anything or that smile, even if you don't give them anything, just to acknowledge them can change the whole course of their day. Mm -hmm. And changing the course of their day can change the way they think. That can change the way that they look at their situation, which can actually change their steps to getting out of their situation. It seems like a really simple approach, but that's psychology 101. Right. I learned that from a kid asking me, why don't people acknowledge homeless people? Why don't they smile at them? Why don't they say hi? And that's the anchor of how I do the work. Every interaction I have, I make sure that people, one, feel loved, two, feel seen, and three, feel that they're important. I got that from a kid. So. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to feel like you matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the, that's the big difference. Yeah. A lot of us walk around here and we don't feel like we matter. Yeah. So, that's huge. And yeah. that's what appeals to millennials and I, and I think youth is that they can be a part of something where their voices are heard, right. their ideas are heard. There's not some, you know, older person going to tell them like, that's stupid or no, we're not going to do that. Or we're more like, okay, so let's flesh it out a little bit. Right. You know, um, let's just sit and talk and strategize about it. And um, let's see how we can get it funded. You know, let's see how, how we can make this work. And, you know, people feel like they really truly have a, a voice and they're really a part of something. Mm -hmm. So I know like another thing millennials do like, they like to see results. <laughs> so now that 
they um, are doing or participating with Feed the Hood. So at the end of the day, do they you see the gratification that they're seeing results? Like people are appreciating you making these bags and passing out food. So they do see that on their face. So that makes mm -hmm. them want to do it more because they're exactly. seeing the results. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So I know that you both mentioned like this has just been bigger than you now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you had to form some sort of business or structure behind it. So there's a lot of people out there who want to create nonprofits. You being a minority um, and creating a nonprofit, what kind of struggles have you went through to build this nonprofit? <laughs> um, number, number the two top struggles is definitely funding and um, capacity. You know, um, by my my background is is well, some of my background is in philanthropy. You know, so um, so I, I see what I saw what well funded organizations look like. You know, I see you know where you know large. Um, funding institutions kind of like saw where where they were giving you know so I'm like okay where's the the racial you know equity lens going and you know the same dollars keep going to the same you know organizations but grassroots organizations like East Oakland Collective and like many of our comrades and colleagues you know really aren't getting funded we're getting funded by the people but we're not getting funded by you know um, large institutions so that was it's always been a difficult like challenge for us but a few people said it great they're like if you are not actually getting funding by these traditional institutions and organizations that probably means you're doing something right yeah. you know so like you know you're not being reduced to a number and just solely concentrating on how can you make us look better but like we are we actually beholden to the people you know first and not to a grant you know, not to a corporation who decided to slide us some money. Um, so that has, but we still need to operate, <laughs> you right. know. So, um, you know, we were, we, in-kind donations really kept us afloat for the first, you know, year and a half to two years. Um, really having EOC members step in and be like, okay, I have access to space, you know, I, I can book your meetings, you know. Um, having people in the community support us and be like, how can I give, you know, having partnerships with other East Oakland organizations um, who are like, sure, you know, you can have an event at, you know, um, my org anytime, you know, low cost to no cost. Um, and that, that really gave us the, the footing to be able to do what we do because a lot of people think we are a full-fledged organization with tons of employees and we have our own floor and some like building you know and I was like if you only knew what was really really going on and it's only there's really three executive team members we have a hundred um, members now you know who work with us you know out of the goodness of their heart and for free um, so but it took us a while and it really it took to really get large large funding for us you know it's really small beans for other people but it's large funding for us it took collaboration right. you know it it really took some of um like our 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 elders in our community who took us under their wing um who you know who were able to like you know set up those funder meetings um 
where, you know, I went in there and, and advocated, you know, um, for EOC and our work because we're also new. So funders are traditionally scared of new organizations. They want you to have like five plus years under your belt and being able to really have the metrics to demonstrate your impact. But I'm like, if we're so new, like we know the impact we're making, right. you know, but it's like, how do you necessarily quantify that in order and put into a package to like do a song and dance, you know, for a, a institutional, you know, funder, you know, or a corporation. Um, so, but I think we're, we are definitely getting there. We, we have learned the game because philanthropy is a game, you know, um, but we, I think we're most proud of that, you know, a lot of our funding and support comes, still comes from the community, you know, um, and, and doing some contract work, you know, and I think that allows, contract works allows us to eat, <laughs> you know, while still doing the work we want to for free. Because um, the Feed the Hood program, which is under our homeless, homeless services and solutions, we don't get paid for that. Now we don't get one dime for that, and right. I don't think we ever we, we want to, right. you know. Yeah. And so. even even on the donation end for Feed the Hood, that's money coming in. And it goes right back out. Okay. Uh, literally every dime that we get goes right back to the people, and I I don't know if people really understand that. Uh, like Candace was saying, people think we are this full fledged, hundred staffed organization. It's just not the case. Yeah, because a lot of people don't really understand what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. We only see what's in front of us. Right. Yeah. We so present it that way. We, yeah. we, we uh, you can think that, <laughs> right. you know, but we're talking real now about what's what's really going on behind the scenes. Right. You know, and then part of that, the other part is capacity. You know, um, we do a, a lot, you know, to only have three-person staff. Um, and we rely heavily on our members who are awesome. But even still, you know, it's just it's only a core that are doing a lot of work. And we, we appreciate them. Um, but then we do have, a, like, a large community following, you know, and support there. But it's also working on building the structure of the organization. So I like to say, you know, EOC, we're, we're, we're flying. So we're flying the plane while still building it, right. you mm. know. Um, so that has been an interesting, <laughs> you know, method. Um, but I think it just shows that we are community first. You know, we're about the work and um, making a difference first so while we work on <laughs> the other things. Right. <laughs> Okay, so if you can give any tips to people who wanted to start nonprofits, um, what could you tell us? Maybe give us three different tips or something that we can take with us and keep in mind when it comes to starting your own nonprofit. Uh, me personally, I would say uh, pay attention to the other nonprofits in in the market. Uh, there's a shitload of nonprofit organizations. Uh, and for me personally, I don't believe in creating something that's already there. If I could partner with someone uh, or come, even come under another organization, as I've done personally, then the impact can be greater. I think people get fixated on wanting to be the boss to where they don't understand what being the boss means. That's uh, we call her boss lady, be not because she's just the founder, it's because of the shit she does. Uh, I don't think people understand what that looks like. Uh, people think having a nonprofit organization is glamorous, it's fun, they think it's free money. That ain't what the hell it is. Um, so my advice is Real talk. really look at other nonprofits in the market, 
try to make relationships with those that you can and if you can sit under some some eds or some some people that run parts of nonprofit organizations so you can actually see what the hell it is mm-hmm. it's not this glamorous thing that people especially doing this work uh it, it, if people follow the East Oakland Collective, they would see that we have an executive director that doesn't just sit behind a desk. Uh, we kind of don't have the luxury for that. Uh, she's boots on the ground, in the trenches. Most EDs aren't that. So if people really want to understand what starting a nonprofit organization looks like, they might want to check her out. Uh, because that's what it looks like when you're starting. Uh People have this fantasy about all this money just gonna start rolling in when that five hundred one c three comes mm-hmm. in. That's a fairy yeah, tale. Work for it. That's a fairy tale. Uh, find that money. You have to on every it. rock. And that's a whole other separate part. Like that's work. That's a full time job in itself. Trying to go find money. Uh, yeah, I, I could go on and on, but that, those are the two main things. Look at the market. Mm-hmm. And if you can make a relationship with some of these nonprofits, sit under these EDs or these other program managers, so you can see exactly what that looks like, because people have no idea. One thing I can say, um, I do agree with you when it comes to Candace, because I've seen Candace mm-hmm. do her stuff. She's really in in the community, mm-hmm. and I've seen her on boards. I've mm-hmm. seen her presidents of organizations. So she paid her dues. She like mm-hmm. understand everything so I can understand why you call her a boss yeah. because she's she's done it all so yeah. it makes sense worse why she's where she is now mm-hmm. so being the boss Candace mm-hmm. I just want you to also give a couple of tips too because you you've done it all yeah um actually the tip Nick just gave is like one of my number one tips is to really analyze the market and see actually see what see what's out there right. you know um see w- what you know, pre-existing nonprofits are, are out there and, you know, what are they doing? Um, see if there's a gap, mm-hmm. you know, because we should, you know, let's not waste time and reinvent the wheel by having all these nonprofits doing the same thing. You know, how can how can we collaborate and partner? Um, and then if from there, from analyzing that, you can see where the gaps are, mm-hmm. you know, so... That's what I did with EOC. There's a, we have a niche, you know, um, millennials really being the the niche and millennials from East Oakland, and that's why a lot of um, everywhere from elected officials to just ordinary people are like, wow, there's millennials who like who want to do this. I was like, yeah, there's like a whole bunch of us, right. you know. Right. So people are people were really really surprised when we came on the scene that you know that we exist in east like we're out here in east oakland and we want to do this work um so and kind of that's how nick and i you know really became you know um partners in this movement is you know we were like writing grants together but as two separate orgs you know, we were doing stuff like that. Like we were, we were helping each other. And then one day Nick was like, "Let's just consolidate." <laughs> you know? Not sense. Uh, and I was, I was shocked. I was actually very surprised. And I was like, "I'm gonna give you a weekend to think about that because I want to make sure that you know you're doing the right thing." Because I thought it was a very humble and honoring thing to do to be like, "I am gonna give up my nonprofit to." Mm 
join EOC as an uh, you know executive team member and to help you out, you know, and to help East Oakland, you know, out essentially. So that's huge. It's not like the fact that he. He was saying that a lot of people are fixated on being the boss. Yeah. So everybody wants to start nonprofits because they want to be the boss. <laughs> so I, it, it's humbling to see that you're like, okay, I like you said, mm-hmm. I want to go under the East Oakland Collectives. Yeah. And you still have to work. That's mm-hmm. another thing that people don't understand. It's probably uh, more work because I'm like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm all about admin and yeah. structure. Yeah, I'm still trying to get the admin thing now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it's even if you go under somebody, understand that you still have to work. It's still, uh, and you have to, like, there has to be some type of other passion inside of you to do this work, because it's not profitable, Um, it's draining emotionally, physically, and at the same time, uh, for me, I just feel like it needs to be done, Mm. so there's something, I, I go through these phases where, man, I'm tired of this shit, man, I just... And I will say I'm tired of it when I'm on my way to an encampment because there's just parts of people like us to where we just, we do it because it's a part of us. Uh, And that's another thing that people have to realize too. Yes, uh, working for the people, there's a serious business side, but if it's not in your heart, it will show. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that we do this because this is a part of who we are not because it's fun or glamorous or anything. Uh, we have to do it because we believe in actually being about that action. So, I like that. Uh, do you feel the same way, Candace? Like when it comes to, like what he was saying, it has, you have to have some, some, something in your heart. It has to, you have to be passionate about it. You, you, you definitely have to be passionate about it because it's going to show if, if you're not. It's going to show in your drive, you know, um, really how you structure, you know, um, your organization, um, you know, how you are able to articulate and convey, you know, like your mission and stuff like that. It definitely shows. So, I mean, one thing about this is that we're super passionate and it, our passion speaks for itself. Um, another tip, um, that I like to really advise people on is the business side, you know, um, of running a nonprofit, like I said, there's a lot of people who have nonprofits or who or simply have, you know, their 501c3 status. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing with it? You know, how are you growing um, your organization? Because um, really, there's no difference than from a nonprofit, from a for-profit business, other than, you know, the tax, you know, st- um, status and like, you know, what things you can do under um, being a tax exempt organization, but you still have to have a business plan. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to have your one, three, five, ten year vision. Um, have start having that map out. There's a lot of strategy work. You know, a lot of strategy work. Sometimes I'm in so many meetings. <laughs> you know, um, developing not only the structure of ELC, but then you know, developing the structure of our you know um, coalition collaborative contract. You know, worked. Um, and I said, you know, I didn't, I want to be grassroots in the way we organize and um, operate with the community. But the structure wise, I want to be like a regular business, you know. So it was important for us to, you know, work with a law firm, you know, um, in the beginning. 
it was in, important for us to have, you know, um, strategy sessions where even one time we, you know, brought in a consultant, you know, and we did like an eight, eight plus hour, you know, <laughs> strategy session because I felt like we needed it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I know people, all this stuff really costs money, but we got all this for free, you know. So it's like really sitting down and finding the resources that you need and, you know, um, uh, Marquita and I, um, Marquita is um, EOC's Urban and Regional Planning Officer, hey. and she also chairs our Economic Empowerment Committee. Um, like, her and I went to New York and um, participated in, like, the Transform Finance um, Conference, and that was for us to learn more about, you know, um, finance, you know, and the different finance uh, options and structures that are available and what people, like, in nonprofits in um, different orgs from around the country, what had been doing, you know, and how does, you know, finance look like from a black-led, you know, organization and other, like, PLC or led orgs who were, like, in, in the room. Um, so it's really doing that. Like, I have no problem with, like, do we need to pay for a class for us? You know, <laughs> if, if there's something that we may not know or we need to sharpen our skills in in order to run EOC better, I will fundraise <laughs> to get us there, you know, um, do what we have to do. You know, um, because we wanna, we want this organization to thrive, survive, um, be able to pass it on, you know, to the next wave of leaders. You know, once we, um, you know, are finished structuring it, um, and so it's realizing that you, you would need help, you know, and and seek that help when it comes to really structuring the business part of the, of um, running a nonprofit. And then lastly, I want to say. Um, don't under, un, don't underestimate the power of social media and other online marketing forms. Um, that's really why people think we are so full fledged, you know, because they see us on social media. You know, um, they see our website. They we we're able to you know really capture um, what we do on a daily basis to the point where, like I said, when I even go to some funder meetings, they already know who EOC is and what we do. So I don't have to spend the meeting really talking about that. We can get to the money part, you know, um, get to the actual, you know, turning work into a dollar amount part. Um, because they already seen our, seen our work, you know? Um, so that has, been a awesome experience i really stress it with when i advise other you know nonprofits um that kind of like get your social media game up get the the newsletters you know going um and then but still never underestimate the power of like just direct contact just talking to people like going out and like nick you know really excels in this going out into the community and and talking to people, you know, being on the corner, really meeting people where they're at. Like, I know I tend to be really social media heavy and, like, computer heavy, but and then that's why Nick is the community engagement officer. He is a pe- he's people heavy, <laughs> you know. So it's, like, never forgetting about people who don't have access, you know, um, mm-hmm. to online tools and, and stuff like that. Okay, well, I admire both of you for your work, and it's huge that, you are humbled enough to be like, okay, we don't know how to do it. We're going to start how to, we're going to yep. go take classes. We're going to find yeah. out how to do this so we can be a stronger organization. Yep. So I do admire that. So my next question is what's next for EOC? What are you looking to do next? And what do you want to happen? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Ah. 
No, we are definitely looking at um, scaling up. You know, uh, EOC, we have three focus areas, um, civic engagement and leadership, economic empowerment, and homeless services and solutions. So with the economic empowerment po program, we have the East Oakland Susu Lending Circle um, program, which we just finished our first year piloting that program and seen amazing results. Um, Nick and I were also participants in that program. Like I was able to pay off, um, you know, credit bills. And there's folks in the program who um, say for down payments, say for like their their rent, um, pay off other bills, pay for like childcare. Like it's it's really been an amazing program. So now we're looking to scale that up. You know, looking to get that program um, and just economic empowerment funded and and um having another cohort of participants um in the lending circle program um homeless services and solutions um well feed the hood you know i think we're also looking to scale up feed the hood because yeah. you know we get approached a lot to actually advise and train people you know um on this area um you know come in and talk to their students on what can they do and really kind of create like an immersion program like in Oakland where, you know, we have a lot of transplants, a lot of folks who are, you know, new, gentrified, whatever, to the Bay and how to really engage, you know, folks in the culture, in the community um, of, of Oakland. Um, and then also how can they help their own house brothers and sisters we get approached about that you know a lot and um people actually don't really don't don't know what to do you know so we kind of give them some options on 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 what they can do um which is why we have so what what came out of feed the hood was also a lot of partnerships you mm -hmm. know um with different organizations um and corporations um, around on addressing the issues and a lot of advocacy and organizing work. So we, we still do that. People don't really realize we do more than just feed the hood. You know, we're part of the housing and dignity project where we just released a um, implementation report on how we can actually house uh, up to 2,000 of um, Oakland's unhoused within six months, you know. Um, and that we identify where the funding can come from, if from the the city, county, state level, what type of alternative housing, you know. Um, so we a very a solution oriented report that you know we have not seen people with you know these solutions and we're really advocating for those solutions yet. Um, we along with the village, we just opened up the Housing and Dignity Village, which is Oakland's first um, sober and safe. Uh, curbside community for women and their families. We reclaimed some public land in Deep East Oakland, um, so we we're seeing what what happens uh, with that. We just did that October twenty seventh, um, and then we're part of you know coalition. So we're doing a lot of coalition work, you know, um, with organizations across the city about how can we all come together and actually solve the different aspects, you know, of the homelessness crisis. Um, so we're in 2019, you know, we're definitely looking to, you know, really sharpen those partnerships more and see how we can make even a greater, greater impact. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she pretty much covered it, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I would just add that, uh, what I'd like to see and what I'm going to actually work on, 
through EOC is making sure, one, that the residents of DP Stokeland get a better understanding of how government works and how that directly impacts their lives because there seems to be this gap still. Uh, we have a partnership or we're part of a partner uh, coalition, uh, the Black Culture Zone, where we have this uh, workshop of sorts called Final Fridays where a lot of that stuff is explained. I'm trying to get as much as the community out to that because people just don't associate their condition with government and there's a direct connection between the two. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see that type of uh, education happen. I also want to get uh, really deep in into the economic portion uh, of ownership in East Oakland. Uh, I am tired of begging for help from uh, from the government and I feel like our own liberation comes through our own economics. So I want uh, the people of DB Stoken to not only understand that but to start practicing that shit because I'm not a beggar. Uh, I'm not a groveler and I believe that we can save ourselves. We just need the education around to do so. And I also believe, don't get me wrong, I believe in holding government accountable and giving them giving us what they owe us. But I do believe that we have to save ourselves and stop begging them to save us. That's not going to happen. So that's part of my mission for 2019 is to get DP Stoken residents engaged civically and also economically to where we could save our own city and stop worrying and hoping and wishing and praying for the sky to crack and for somebody to come save us because that shit's not going to happen. Okay. Well, I want to thank you both for sharing and um, with, uh, sharing this information with everyone. Um, also, before we leave and before I leave you, I want us, I want you to share with me how could I be part of the EOC or get involved. So if there's a website, let us know what website, how, who should we contact to be more involved and when would be the next Feed the Hood drive. So you can definitely follow us um, by checking out our website, www.eastoaklandcollective.com. Um, we have a great website, so you can see pictures. You can go to the Connect section, and you can actually subscribe to our um, monthly newsletter so you can stay up to date the latest news in East Oakland and also um, ways to get involved in what we're doing. And we are on... Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for East Oakland Collective. And then Feed the Hood. Uh, next Feed the Hood is December 9th. Uh, shout out to our uh, our former partners, uh, Oakland Soul uh, Middle School. We used to we have a few Feed the Hoods there. And now our new partner, uh, Crystal Ray De La Salle. Uh, Feed, the Hood 9, uh, Feed the Hood 8. December 9th is going to be at Crystal Ray De La Salle, the old St. Liz. Uh, that starts at 7 a.m. Sounds early, but trust me, it's not that early. It's a Sunday. Uh, you'll be in at 7. You'll be done by noon, so you can have the rest of your day. Uh, but uh, you can RSVP at bit.ly slash feedthehood8. And people could also donate. Tax deductible, bit.ly slash feedthehood. Uh, any type of donation is uh, appreciated and again this is mostly funded by the community so every dime that comes in 
goes right back out to the people that need it. And it's all on our website. You yep. can go to eastoakencollective.com backslash Feed the Hood to learn more about um, the Feed the Hood program. Um, well, thank you both. Thank you for sharing with us. And actually, I, I, actually, I really learned a lot today when it comes to starting a nonprofit organization. A lot of stuff that I did not know. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say thank you for taking out your time on this Sunday to speak with us. And we're going to be... Uh, you know we're going to support you no matter what so we would like to also help any way that we can um, as our organization and podcast build too thank you you. we appreciate it wow that was a lot of information but thank you marissa for taking the time to go and meet in person and give voice to the east oakland collective collaborative collaborators founders and sharing with us and our listeners an opportunity to partake in giving. So I I do want to give you information on how to engage with East Oakland Collective. So if you're in the East Oakland area or if you're fond of the Oakland area, if you're from there, been there, looking to go there, you can check them out at eastoaklandcollective.com. That's www dot east oakland collective.com check out their website see what they have going on um they actually the closest thing they have coming up right now is on december the 9th they are having a feed the hood event so if you get a chance get on there as quick as you can feed the hood december the 9th they are looking for volunteers so it's always a great time. Tis the season to give. Go out, meet some new friends, and get involved. Absolutely. Um, and for, you know, if you're interested in taking part in our podcast, you're doing some amazing work in your community, you know, you don't have to necessarily be a philanthropist. We're open to discussing some ways that we, you know, as philanthropists, we as organizations, we as entrepreneurs may need um resources we may need information regarding how to get funding be sure to you know check us out go to our website philanthropyis.world and um, you can hit us up on gmail at philanthropyis.world at gmail.com send us a message we look forward to chatting with you and hopefully having you on our show yay thank you so much lena and thank you all for listening i'm signing out tiffany rochelle and lena anderson And thank you for joining us on Philanthropy Is. Philanthropy.